0: Here sweeping down the path. So check this out, dude. I'm Sup? here in Oklahoma, right outside of Stanley Draper. I've mentioned that to a few people a few times, but I found the mother load of Rose Rocks, bro. Nice, dude. I what do you some got? Big ones, I got some Dude's little crazy, ones. That's crazy,
1: man. That's got, awesome.
0: I, dude, I got, at this point, I got more than I can even handle. Like, I'm sorry you can't see him so well in the light, but Rose Rocks, it's the state rock of Oklahoma. And you can only find them in Oklahoma in a small patch of area. So I've seriously hundreds of them, bro. Hundreds. Wow. So That's
1: I'm crazy, in Oklahoma. Man. <laughs> man, speaking of Oklahoma, man, let's just talk about that win for one second. Because to me, like, it's one of those things where you look at the stats, right? And you see that they went on the uh, Dallas Mavericks went on a 30-0 run. And then you look at the two players that we essentially got from Dallas last year, mm. Bertans and Kaysan nice. Wallace, Yeah, and they scored 30 points. Hmm.
0: So there's something there, guys. Man, I think Kaysan's a great – Bertans is a great guy to talk about. Um, but really, like, it's just a next-man-up mentality. I know that we – like, we started out really hot with Kaysan's game, and, you know, being a rookie on such a deep team, you know, there's going to be Evan Fle- and flow to his season no matter what but still with his age and where he's going I'm super high on him Bertans on the other hand though is a player who is in the back nine of his career might not get another contract if he does it won't be that big um, he's still got some game obviously he showed that but both of them come in and contribute and they do it in the ways that they, they do. You know what I mean? Like sure. Wiggins. We, t- we love talking about Wiggins. We're, how about Let's talk about Lindy Waters, right? The going gets tough, and Coach needs somebody in there who's a zone mm. buster, but not just because he can just shoot the three, but all, because he can make the right pass, the right cut. He understands spacing. He goes to the right positions. He reads the seams in the zone, and he understands how to make sure good things happen. So Coach says when he puts Lindy out there, Good sure. things seem to happen. I mean, that's how I feel about it too.
1: Yeah. Um, let's just be honest about it. When when Lindy was on the floor, I want to say <clears throat> last night or the other night, um, Lindy didn't get much playing time. But it was the other game that he stepped up and got a ton of playing time. And that, that, I, I, I watch him on Yeah, and I watch him with a the, the wingspan that he has. And that wingspan is is truly spectacular. And especially in that zone, hmm. um, that we play uh, you need somebody like that that's six, 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 seven. I think he's closer to six, seven, than six, six. And those long arms, he rebounds, he crashes the boards. He does all these other things that you want in a, in a, a player, especially a young player to do. And then you start looking, like you said, you you mentioned Aaron Wiggins. You mentioned some of these other guys that we have that are, you know, glue pieces. And any time that you look at this team and you say, Kenny hustle, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Aaron Wiggins, Lindy waters, I mean, we could go down this list and it keeps going and going and going to these guys that you need on the court. You know, like, I, I, I look at these guys and the way they're playing and a player like Misic should be getting playing time right now. And he's not. And it's shocking to me. And I and I know I see him talking to Poku, you know, on timeouts. Like, you can tell he wants to play. And it's frustrating to him. But the, the reality is, is that everybody else is playing at such a high level right now, you can't. And And anybody that wants to get upset with, the way that Josh Giddy's playing right now and the minutes he's getting right. I, I got to say is just relax on it guys. Um, the other night against Dallas, he only got 17 minutes. He scored 10 points, got an assist and three rebounds, but he's just like, they're getting him in the flow of things. And I'll be honest with you is if I was coach D, I'd be more concerned about Josh's mental aspect than his minutes right now. Yeah. And everything that's going on right now, I would be saying, let's, Crack down on his mental aspect before we worry about his minutes.
0: You got to build. You got to build. Start somewhere and build up. And um, there's definitely been some obvious distractions this year for him. And overcoming that for him and for the team is going to be really important. Um, But that's where we come back to that next man up mentality. And Coach, he always searches through his lineups looking for who will perform well in a given situation. And once he Mm. finds kind of like that group, he likes to ride it for a long time. So that can piss off some people who really like rotations to be a certain way. Um, They want certain things to happen here and there. Um, A lot of people like to focus on those things, but the reality is like coach has an understanding of who's playing well in any given moment. And he likes to go with those guys. Now he might also have a game plan that dictates, well, I'm not going to go to a certain guy because he played two nights in a row or whatever. And like, he has his own, like, mentality, but what I love about what we see is, like, every time you see somebody come off the bench, you know that they are a spark plug. Like, mm. a lot of teams will have, like, okay, he is our spark plug. Uh, old school New York Knicks fan, John Starks, right? The ultimate spark plug. Yep. And there's other guys who are, you know, microwave scores. they're, you know, they come in and just start things. But, like, tell me which one of these guys isn't a spark plug. Uh, Wiggins, Waters, Kenny, Hustle, Jay Will, Isaiah, Joe, Bertans. The other night was an absolute torch, man. It was an unbelievable three shots, six—I think—fifteen points or something like that. Something unbelievable on three shots. Eleven shot. minutes, yeah. Like, um, and like, that's that's the makeup of this team. Now, we like to think this team has a chance to do. As we have said, since what, like. Before the season started, fifty-five plus wins. Sometimes I get carried away and say sixty. Um, but like for this team to be in a sixty-win team, like right now they aren't. They just aren't. It's not. It's not right. It's not there right now. Um, but they have the pieces to be. It could happen next year. Could happen in two years. It could happen this year. But what would have to happen? Um, have have to happen for it to happen this year would be. Um. What, Dave? You tell me. How do we get to the point where this team is clicking at a sixty-win pace? Well, I mean, you're gonna have to get Chet up to averaging above twenty points a
1: game. You're gonna have to get J. Doe averaging twenty points points a game. Um, and Shea needs to be in that thirty thirty um, point sweet spot. All that seems then, reasonable. And then you need to have a bench mm-hmm. that can put out. Um, and I'm talking like a classic 1970s porn put out. Like mm-hmm. this needs to be something where it's so elite, so high level. Um, they're averaging 25, 30 points a game, if not more, um, coming into games. Because the reality of what we got going on that bench is that there's no reason why we shouldn't be averaging 20-plus points a game from that bench. And if we are doing that from that bench, that means that we can pull out any one of these guys, these starters, and replace them with some guy that can score five points in the time that they're out of the game. And that instant offense, that offense that we're doing and that we're looking for, is is, is special. So um, those are the three things that I'm looking at. Chet, JW, our bench.
0: Right. Our defense has already shown signs that it can be that level. Like, um, the difference between where it's at right now and what it needs to be at 60 wins is like, you need to know what you're going to get when you come into a game automatically. Um, yep. Another thing that I would say, like, giving up a 30 0 run, that's not indicative of a team that's going to win 60 games. Like, sure. Um, when you have a team down by 24, you're going to close that game without putting your starters back in. That's, but, but, that's a 16 team. Hold on, freak things happen
1: throughout the NBA season, and 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 I want to say that giving up thirty points in a row like that, that should have been a nut kicker. We should have lost that game, absolutely. But to be able to rise above, be down six with two minutes to go in the game after just losing a, you know thirty points in a row, to be able to get do that, and then all of a sudden take a deep breath and go out there and put major points on the board, really in the last two minutes of the but, game.
0: Uh, before you go, I want to keep this conversation going, but. I think there's a lot of people that think, okay, if you give up 30 points, statistically, like, you're not going to give up 36 in a row, so maybe we should have won the game. But that's just not how it works when the pressure of the fourth quarter and you're out of way goes. Like, once you start bleeding, um, you're supposed to, like, a, a fighter that, that gash is supposed to keep opening and it's supposed to take you out of the contest. Like, that's, they were, they were supposed to land the knock, knockout blow. They were. They had an opportunity to, and they missed a three. You know, so to me, like this is a, the that, moment where the- would that would that have been enough, though? Like we went from being down six. We could have been down nine, but we ended up winning by six. So, it was, I mean, we could have still hey, won. We could have still won. But to me, like when a place is rocking like
1: that yeah. at home, mm-hmm. Coach D, this is what I love about Coach D. Coach no D, D gambled last night. All right. What did yeah. he gamble with? Let me tell you what he, he gambled with the game. All mm-hmm. right. 30 points in a row. He's already called two timeouts in that 30 point run. He's got one timeout left. He says, all or nothing, timeout, three minutes to go. You motherfuckers, get back in this game. Motherfuckers, we're not going to lose this game. We're down by, at that point, I think it was like two minutes and something seconds left, whatever. We're down by six points. And we came back and we won the game. And I look at that moment where Coach D pulls the guys together and says, "Uh uh-uh, this is not going to go down like this. And I think we scored, I, I want to say we scored 17 points, 16 points, 15 points, something like that in that time period.
0: I, I think 17-3 you know, like, is what I've heard. I think that's about right. And it's just
1: insane, bro. Like to, to me looking at it and saying, this is where this team was at. They're in the shit. You know, like nothing was happening. We couldn't buy a shot. We had all the guys on the court that should have been able to hit a shot. Nothing went down. Coach D calls timeout, recognizes that, hey, listen, we're not going to win this game. If I
0: save this timeout for wait, later, we're not. Uh, how do you, in that spot, like, how do you, okay, so they don't have timeouts and, you know, boxing, but so, say you get saved by the bell, ding, 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 and then you're in the, the fighter's corner. That's what it kind of felt like in those last three, that last timeout, yeah. right? You, you got one more yeah. chance to get through to the fighter and you're like, yo, wake up, wake up, what you need, one, two, bam, bam, dodge, dodge, knock, hit. Like, it felt like that was kind of like the intensity of the moment, but. How, what do you think was said by Bro, coach?
1: I want to, I want to say this as a coach, having one timeout left. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you, like, if you guys know, if you're a coach, you know the same thing I'm about to say. You got three minutes left on the clock, you got one timeout left. If your team needs a timeout, you're not fucking taking that timeout. I want to make sure that's clear. You save that timeout. Am I right? I mean, like I've been, I was raised that way as a coach. You don't, you t- use your last timeout if it's a close game into the very end if you need it, especially in the fucking NBA where you get to advance the ball. Mm-hmm. But Coach D said that fucking doesn't matter right now. What matters is me getting a hold of this team and talking to them, settling them down, and making, letting them have an opportunity to win. And what happened? We go on our run. Dallas calls their last timeout. They got nothing after that. You know, like, to me, it was a perfect uh, execution because the second that Dallas used their last time out, right, he fell into Coach D's trap, bro. Fell, 100% fell into Coach D's trap. It was like, holy shit. Like, Coach D just outcoached... Jay Kidd. Jason Kidd. Just like, like nobody's business. Like, it was to the point where it's okay... I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I. For the first time, I felt like not only is Coach D one of the better coaches in the league, but he has the game plan to outcoach anybody. And I know it's Jason Kidd, whatever you want to say, but Jason Kidd's a hell of a coach, guys, and he's been a hell of a coach for a very long time. It, even when he was playing, he was a fucking coach. So, like, I see this and I see Jason Kidd and he, what he's doing there for Luca, and I'm like, damn, dude, like he just outcoached Luca or uh, outcoached uh, Jason Kidd. Game before he's out coached. Um, I mean, we can go down the list, man.
0: So, but like in that that final timeout, like I know how I would act in that situation. No, I mean, actually, I don't know, but I can assume that I'm going to get in everybody's face. And I'm going to be like, get your shit together. Right. That's how I would probably want to handle that. But I, I have a feeling that, like from what we know about Coach D, that it's actually going to be a, quite a different environment than that. It's probably going to be more like, um, Giving them a way to get an easy bucket. Because, like, if you know, if you can just turn the tide a little bit, you know, like, that, like, it becomes a back-and-forth game again. Like, wh- Sure. What do you think he did in that moment? Because, to me, that was, was a masterful setting, like, you've put in there. But, like, it's also, like, the execution of that moment is critical.
1: So, obviously, whenever Coach D calls timeout, you guys, you guys can watch the games. Um, Coach D does one thing. He, um, he's at the half-court line almost all the time. And then he walks. From the half court line all the way down to the baseline, um, in the step out position, um, and that's where Coach D walks immediately. Um, the reason he does this is because that's where he meets his assistant coaches and he tells them the game plan, and then he goes moves forward. And this was no different, man. Um, he was able to get the emotional aspect out of it, um, because you know if you're a coach, every coach knows this, and if you've ever been a coach, is that a team goes on a any type of run on you and they've taken the lead from you, and you're embarrassed, you're upset. If you can get your emotional aspect under control and you can walk into that huddle and say, this is happening, this is happening, and this is happening, shut the fuck up, do what you're supposed to, and quit being little bitches out there. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that because LeBron told us not to, but um, quit your shit and keep the emotional aspect out of it. Don't the yell, don't get in the players' faces, just tell them what they need to do. Because they already know. <laughs> do, do you think you see it, seriously need to go there and give um, Shay a lecture about, what the fuck, man? You just gave up 30 points in a row. You guys are going to buy a bucket. They don't need that shit. They know that shit. You just got to get in that huddle and use your time wisely. Tell them what they need to do with Coach D. And that's what they did. The assistant coaches, they, they broke the huddle. Assistant coaches pulled the guys aside and they go, boom, and it's done. So
0: then the bigger question right they do film study right we should we should honestly rewatch the fourth quarter together live with our friends tonight or something but we probably won't because it was really painful but like i would love to to just get back together and rewatch it because sometimes when the emotions of it are happening you can't really see what's going on so, and plus i had diarrhea if you remember everybody <laughs> um but like um what i do want to say about what we can improve here is that these experiences happen over and over and over again throughout the course of a season where teams are putting big runs on you. And we have to learn how to like <clears throat> absorb the run and then use a little jujitsu, which is like use the momentum they have against them and do but that's a different thing for a different day. Like we have to figure that out as a team for us to get to that 60 win level. But yeah, man. For what happened the other night? Like Think about what happened last year when we played the Mavericks at the at Dallas. I think the first of the games was when we figured out Isaiah Joe was a, a sniper. Like, we, you knew. Some people knew. But some of us were waiting, you know? And then he goes out and does that. Like, you think the Mavericks are tired of seeing the Thunder come into to Dallas? Bro, I I mean, you've got to be. I mean, Case and Wall is 15 points, 6
1: for mm. 12 in field goals. And Berton's 3 for 3. Like, Coach D was out there rubbing that, that salt in the, you know, the air, because I mean, I, with all, with all due respect, uh, Blake, Blake lively, right. Or otherwise known as Derek lively. He had a hell of a night, man. 20.16 rebounds and like, uh, eight blocks or something like that. Seven blocks, hell of a night, uh, by Blake. Um, so anyways, uh, I, I just look at it and I'm like, this is, this is what happens, you know, like you're playing against a team and the Oklahoma City pun- uh, Thunder essentially passed on Derek Lively and said, nah, we're good on him. But we want Case and Wallace. And Dallas passed on Kaysen Wallace and was willing to give up Bertons to move two places back in the draft to save money. So Dallas essentially hurt two people's feelings, whereas Oklahoma City just hurt one person's feelings. And, and between them all, I think that's, it's, it's self-explanatory. 50 points, an insane amount of rebounds. You know, like, good basketball between them. And it's, it's crazy to think that, like, you know, this is why the NBA is so special. And, we, you know, we've talked about this before, and it's, it's one of my mottos, man. Basketball is a game about runs, bro. That's what it is, you know? Like, whether it's, like, diarrhea or just fucking runs, man. Like, they just go up and down. They'll score 15 points in a row. Then team can't score. Man, I, I've been there. Man, I've been there to an extent where I've missed three wide-open layups. And we still couldn't score. So it happens, man. There's nothing you can do about it. I look at it and I have to say is that the team is designed that we limit our runs. Last night will probably be the worst run we'll give up in a few years. But the reality is is that this team is designed to score during runs. You got Isaiah Joe, Bertons. These guys are make their own shots everywhere. You know, you got Shea, J Dub, Casey Wallace, Chet. Uh, you know, Josh Giddy can make his own shot. These guys are designed to do what it take, do what it needs to take to get into the lane and get their shots off. So I I'm not too worried that this is gonna happen again.
0: So, like us being able to learn from environments like this without having to experience the loss and like yeah. the negative emotions from it. Like sure. It kind of feels like how we got onto that run in January last year, where it was like. <laughs> kind of steal a game here, steal a game here, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're the toast of the town, right? Um, yeah. I'm starting to feel some good vibes, bro. What are our games coming up? How are we feeling about those? I know that there's several against tough teams in December. We're playing, I think the Warriors was added to our schedule, but also yeah. the Rockets. So I'm not too worried about that. we got
1: some tough that. ones. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, we got some really rough games coming up, but... Like, if you've seen what's, what's happened with this team like I do, like there is a top echelon in the NBA, guys. There is a top echelon of teams in the NBA, and then there's a bottom echelon, and then, of course, the middle echelon. The middle echelon is the most amount of teams. And anybody that looks at this Oklahoma City Thunder team that says that this Oklahoma City Thunder team is in a middle echelon doesn't understand what this team is capable of doing. This team is in a top echelon in the West. And when you look at the top echelon in the West, there's three teams in that um, top. And at this moment, OK, and if you're looking at that and you're starting to circle and you're starting to like start to understand that the Oklahoma City Thunder is going to win 50 plus games. And there's only three teams in the West that are going to be able to do that. And it's going to be spectacular. And if you're looking at this in any other way, to me, December is our off month. All right, you guys, we get days where we get two ga- days, three days off in a row. Like, it's been happening here for, like, last week and a half now. Okay, guys, we've had, like, what, three games in a week and a half? So, yeah, like, we just have a lot of time on our hands. But when January comes, I mean, I kid me not, guys, it's going to be one of the worst Januarys, if not the worst month for any team. 17 games in January, guys. 17. Not just that, but they're hard games. We've got a ton of back-to-back games. And it's the reason why we're not playing some of the players that we're not playing. Like Josh, you know, I, I get it. People are upset. Josh minutes are down. Listen, you're not going to be upset in January when he's averaging a shit ton of minutes and he's able to do that because we didn't wear him out in December. So just relax. Put the brakes on and recognize that this team is going to do some great things and we're just all in the, uh, the cheap seats right now sitting back and enjoying it because there's a vibe happening in Oklahoma City. You know, like last night, man, for the first time, In a long time, I saw a ton of Oklahoma City Thunder fans in Dallas Stadium, bro. Mm -hmm. I saw a ton. And it was crazy because usually, bro, we don't see any Oklahoma City Thunder fans in Dallas, bro. We don't. But last night, you can start seeing the Chet jerseys and the Shea jerseys, bro. And it's so nice. You saw Kenny Hustle's jerseys in there, Mm -hmm. Case and Wallace's jerseys. Like, this is this is next level, man. It's really, really powerful to be able to see what this team is, is, is pulling into and, and becoming.
0: So buckle up. This season is just getting started. So we hope you're having as much fun as we are. Oh, yeah, guys.
1: Before we go, thank you so much for all the thumbs up. The recent subscribers, you guys are amazing. You guys really uh, make us feel good. There's been a lot of hate uh, around Josh Giddey recently and the Oklahoma City Thunder community to all those people that stood up for Josh. And we've recognized that our numbers um, have gone up and we've gotten a lot of uh, likes and a lot of subscriptions. So thank you all. We really do appreciate it. See you soon.